let's love him. And I give you praise, Jesus. I give you praise and glory, almighty God. Oh, Holy One, you are the King and the Savior. We bless the name that's above every name. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. We're going to take a look at the old book tonight. I'm glad to be right here with you. Feel his good presence. He's a great, mighty, and wonderful God. Amen. I'm turning to the book of 1 Timothy. First Timothy, I'm turning to chapter 1. Chapter 1. And if you would please, we'll look at verse 19. The writer said, Holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away, concerning faith, have made shipwreck. I'd like to minister for a little while tonight on holding faith. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. I'm very happy to be in church tonight. And uh, Janisha asked me if I was going to preach tonight. Let's hope so. <laughs> here we are. Well, I'm very glad to be here. And I know the Holy Ghost is here. And you're here. Book is real. It's great, and you know I'm a part of that church that preaches that name and believes that gospel. We're not about anything generic around here. We don't live in the shadows. Matter of fact, him with whom we have to do, there is no shadow. There's none of that stuff. It's he holds light in his hands, and he's brought us into his marvelous light. I'm glad for this light that dispels the darkness and the shadows and makes everything clear, crystal clear. They were talking on the radio about uh, a certain individual had promised that everything was going to be very transparent. And I thought, well, in light of what's going on, certainly made good on that promise because I think we're seeing through everything and it's becoming crystal clear. I had somebody that contacted me here within the last 30 days, I want to say. And it was, uh, matter of fact, they ran into somebody here in church over in West Palm, by the rock, I guess, and said um, they wanted my number and needed to talk to me. And so the number was exchanged, and they called me. And I was very shocked to hear from this individual. And the and, uh, individual began to tell me, some things and I just raised my hands you know I'm still trying to hold the phone my ear my shoulder but I raised my hands and I said thank God for somebody who has finally seen through the fog of lies it's always good it's a great thing when you come to that realization that the devil is just what the book said he's a liar and he's the father of it and when you get the light on on any one given thing God allows you to see through a thing. It's, I've seen that light come on people's face when, when they begin to realize that there is one God. That great, 
is the mystery of godliness. Things that we have to do with another place talked about the mystery of the faith. That there, this is not something that is uh, just, again, generic or wholesale or just out there, uh, like common. It's not that. This is very specific, and this is very precious, and blessed are our eyes for what we see and our ears for what we hear and for what our hearts, our minds comprehend. Because there's been many, 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 and there's been many righteous that have desired to see and to have what we have and to see what we see, and they weren't able to. How blessed and how fortunate we are tonight, and we must pray that God will help us not to take any of it for granted, but that we will every day live with an awareness and that He would increase our awareness, that uh, He would help us focus and dial in on just how marvelous it is to what He has given to us. And this writer, Paul, being inspired, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he said, that's by the commandment of God, our Savior. He didn't save up a bunch of box tops and cut them out and send them in, and then he got a license in the mail that made him an apostle. Uh, this was God-called and God-given. And there was dispute, evidently, or questions in minds. And God said, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to collect some rods around here, and we're going to place them where my presence is. And you come back in the morning, and you're going to see who's who and what's what. And when they came back, Aaron's rod had budded. His staff had budded. None of the others had. But God has his way of showing. Uh, one place there was a discrepancy that came up. And the Bible said that the men of God, the apostles, that they gave to a certain individual the right hand of fellowship. They by that token, by that sign, much like that rod budding, they were showing where their approval was at. And God has his way of giving his stamp of approval. God has his way of showing what is balanced and what is of him and what is godly, what is righteous. And you and I need to recognize that we don't want to be taken in by any forms of falsehood. We don't want to be deceived, Jesus said, by any means. We don't want that. And the enemy is out here, friend. He's working overtime, and we're not bragging on him. We want you to be awake and aware that he is very much on the job, and he is bringing deception. The Bible said, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, in them that perish... You better know that there's a devil out there and he's bringing deception that will bring a perishing to people. But if we will believe on Jesus Christ as the scripture has said, if we will search the scripture, if we will make our prayer unto God, then the Bible tells you that he so loved you that he provided that flesh on the cross as a ransom and that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Amen and amen. Amen. In this day and hour in which we live, and we are not living in the, just in the end times, but we are living in the end of the end times. This is winding down. There are things that are, there are troops and armament that is uh, ma amassing itself 
uh, at the direction of, of countries and minds that are directed by the wrong spirit. And they're, they're coming up on the Golan Heights, very strategic place against that land and country known as the Pleasant Land, Israel, that place that God has ordained to be His. And that uh, we are, I'm going to tell you that in 1980, this is not generic, I'm telling you it was, it was May of 1980. I sat in a, I preached in a, for a man that asked me to preach for him in Texas. And um, he, he didn't seem to like some of what I preached. He didn't agree with it. And I, you know, I'm not a fellow that's, you know, trying to go back and say, I told you so, how you like me now, you know. I'm not going to be like that. I don't want to play carnal games, but I, believe me, every once in a while I'd like to pick up the phone and say, hey, you know, here we are uh, 30 years later in that neighborhood, in that vicinity. I guess that would be right, right? 90, 2000, 2010, that's 30 years. So 32 years ago, uh, last month, you know, you were convinced of certain things and tried to rake me over the coals and told me that you had studied too hard to be wrong. But here we are 32 years down the road, sir. And have you gone back and listened to your own tapes? Have you gone back and listened to your own words? Because we're 32 years past all those things you said, and they have not come to pass. And I don't care to rub that in somebody's face, but somebody needs to wake up and realize that they misdirected a lot of people. And that could cause a lot of people, the closer we get, to the coming of Jesus Christ, the misdirection can cause a lot of people to fall. You better get yourself, get this holding faith, something that's going to sustain you, something that's going to hold you up, something that's going to take you through, something that's got uh, strength to it, something that's got solidness to it. It's the meat of God's Word. Amen and amen. Yeah, you know, we love all these children. Love them all. And, uh, I've got quite a collection of cars in my, my office because A.J. and his brother brought them to me. And, and they can play with those. They can have a lot of fun with those. But I don't think Dad's going to let you take the truck and spin around the block as much as he loves you. You're not ready for that. And that's my point. That there are things that people aren't ready for. The Bible did speak about things that are worthy and acceptable. Worthy and acceptable. I'm glad that God, He not only loves us, but along with loving us, He presents this thing to us in a balanced manner because He's concerned about the best overall interests of all of us. He's not for one and against another unless you show yourself contrary to him. But if you are not of the contrary part and you would seek the Lord and you would desire that you would truly live for him and that you're going to make it in that day, that you're going to, what did Jesus tell Peter? He said, Satan hath desired thee that he might sift you as wheat. He said, but I prayed for you that your faith fail not. That your faith 
fail not. I want, I want a fail-safe faith. I want a faith that's going to hold me, holding faith, that I'm not standing on something that is rickety and could break through at any moment. I'm not, I'm not finding myself in a, or placing myself, God forbid, in a precarious situation. I want to be in a place of strength. I want to be in a place where I know that uh, one, there are ways that the Bible taught and declared about being in a large room and, and in, in a place that is uh, balanced and solid and secure. Those are the kind of places I want to be in. I don't want to be like the hypocrite who would, thinking, leaning against something, it would hold him when it would be nothing more than like a spider's web and you would just fall right through it. We don't want something like that. We want holding faith. We want something that's solid. We want something that we can depend on, something that we can prove. It does talk about proving all things and holding fast, holding fast. There is a, a holding faith, and it will hold us, and we need to hold fast to it. We don't need to get a tenuous grip or a slippery grip or even find our feet in a slippery place. No, we want to be where it's solid. We want to be where it's balanced. We want to be where it's, what did the Bible say in uh, Isaiah 28 and 16? He talked about a sure foundation. I want something that's sure and solid. Another thing, place he said, the sure mercies of God. Yes, that's what we want. We want things that are sure. We want things you can count on. We want things you can fall back on. We want things you can stand on. We want things you can count on. We want things that God said they're worthy, that the ministry says are acceptable. Acceptable. Now, playing with those cars, that's acceptable. But driving vehicle at that age that's not acceptable that's not acceptable it's important for us to follow the voice the leadership the word that helps us to discern what's acceptable I've had to tell people before and back I remember one individual back over the years and it certainly proved out much to my sadness, that uh, sometimes, in many cases, the short-term gain is not worth the long-term loss. And that kind of would remind you of that scripture when it talked about the pleasure of sin, but a season. Short-term gain. Just a season. Just a season. If somebody was to get a job at the mill, for an example, which the season, generally speaking, runs from October through April, just generally speaking. And, uh, but if you'll accept those months for a moment, then a person would say, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to get me all I can get from October to April. And then I'm going to go have me a time only to wind up losing their job after the first season. So the short-term gain, that's not going to last too long. It's not going to be worth 
what little bit of gain you got if you lose the bigger piece over the long term. Don't give up the long-term gain of living for God for the little short-term situation. Don't do that. The devil would like you to do that. He'd like you to sell out. There are people that, that walk out, that leave, that change. You know, nobody backslides anymore. They just change congregations. They don't get rid of the flu. They just take it somewhere else. They don't get, they're not sorry for doing wrong. Or they're just sorry they got caught. And rather than responsibly face it and face up to it, they'd rather just cop an attitude and go somewhere else. But you know, that's not a holding faith. That's what happened to these that the Bible said, holding faith and a good conscience when you know that it's pounding away that you I told a young man not too long ago I said anything that can be done for you to help you in your situation I said I'm glad for that I said but don't you ever forget that you did it wrong you don't you don't throw that out the window you don't flush that down the toilet you don't chuck that somewhere and and just ignore it and like it didn't happen and like you didn't do it. I said, you learned the lesson that you did it wrong and you learn from that. Don't just go into some form of denial. You face this thing. You know, David came up to the battle from taking care of the sheep on the backside of the backside of the backside. But his day came. All that training and all that teaching and all that patience. You know, that patient continuance in well-doing. The call came in his life. David makes his way up. His father gives him some lunches, some happy meals. And he says, you take this out to your brothers. They're fighting in the war at the front lines. You carry this up to them. Or oh, you know, David was one more happy guy. I'm going to get to go see the battle. I'm going to the front lines. Man, I can't wait to get there. He, I'm telling you, he made it from home to that battle line in record time. He could have made the Olympic team that day. He was so excited. Only problem was when he got there, looked around, there wasn't no battle going on. There wasn't no war going on. He's like, what's going on? He's hunting around, looking around. He can't find his brothers. He finally looked under a bush. There they were. Had themselves a little nest all cushy. Had their favorite video game out. You know, they having a big old time. Man, they we glad you're here. We're hungry. Started grabbing them Happy Meals and pulling in there. Everybody was happy but David. And all of a sudden, friend, he heard it. Hand me a man! Say, what? Send me a man! Who's a dude? And what's he saying? Oh, that's Goliath. He's calling for a champion. 
He wants somebody to come out there and fight him. Winner take all. David said, oh, okay, I'll go. Well, they didn't like that. See, that was showing them up. That was showing them up. So they called him a brat and a punk. You need to go back home and take care of the, the little lambs. You go back home. And David said, who is he? Well, I've wanted to ask some people that sometimes. You know, 38 years of, of, of pastoring and over 40 years of ministering. And uh, sometimes I've wanted to ask people, who do you think you are? <laughs> you know, I... I mean, you know, you could get, you could unjustifiably, you could get upset with me about maybe how I deal with somebody, you know. But most of these that I could point to around here, I've been dealing with them longer than you've been here. You know, I mean, if you tell me, well, how old are you now? Sixteen. I know you want to say seventeen. It's coming. Don't worry. Okay, sixteen. All right. As some of you haven't been here 16 years. Well, I've been pastoring her for 16 years. And her sister probably longer than that because she's older than her. And, and others that I could point out. You know? Yeah. They're getting old. Me, I'm getting younger. That's a good trick, isn't it? Yeah, Lord. It took me a long time to learn how to do that. But um, I'm just saying, David, David looked the situation over and and David knew what God had done. And they made fun and they called him a brat. And they told him to, they just tried every way they could because they didn't, they didn't like the fact that it was being shown that they were out of line. And, and David, David really had faith. David, David's faith was challenged. And he was like, I'm not letting this go by. We've got to. He looked around and he said, man, we got to rally the troops around here. we got to do something. There are things that we can do that God will work with. There are things that we can do that God will bless. There are things that we can do that God responds to. Do you know one of the things that, ladies, you're going to love it, one of the things that a woman did that stopped Jesus dead in his tracks. So much so that he looked at all the men and everybody else who was around there, and he said, I have not found so great faith in all of Israel like I'm seeing in this woman. Now what kind of faith was that? Well, brother, old David had the shield of faith out right about then. And I have all ideas. He got some, we used to use uh, English leather or something like that. I can't remember what it was called, but to do our baseball leather or something. I gave that up a long time ago. But I remember we used to polish that, get all the cracks out and keep it, you know. And, he, and those shields were made of leather. And, and he, uh, he had that thing polished up, but he was ready to go. He had that sling. It was all polished up and ready to go. And uh, didn't have any cracks in it. Wasn't about to break. It was supple. It was, it was flexible. It was ready. And so they, they said, well, you know, he's really willing to do it. We'll take him to the king. 
So they took him down and trotted him down to Saul and found out where he was hiding out at. And they said, uh, David, here, he wants to. And so the king said, yeah, I already heard. Somebody came and told me about him. He said, well, if you're going to do this, he said, then give him my armor. Give him my finest armor. And they brought out all this stuff and all this modern-day stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm going to tell you? And I told somebody this just recently. People, our greatest enemies are going to be those from within. You hear me? Don't, you don't have to worry so much about them out there. We already know where they're coming from. We already know how they think. But it's going to be those from within. Who's, who was Jesus Christ's greatest betrayer and enemy? Somebody from within. Somebody that he gave power to cast out devils. Somebody that he gave that to him. And, and that guy turned and betrayed him. He even gave him money. Let him hold the money. He made him the treasurer. Oh, yeah. Well, here's David. And here's the king. And the king's saying, you can have my finest armor. David said, I've never proved that. I've never tested that. I don't, I don't know nothing about that junk. What I'm saying to you, people, as it's said, holding faith from which some have turned aside. There are people that don't have faith in the move of the Holy Ghost. You hear me? That's supposed to be in the truth. But they don't have faith in that. They've lost their confidence in that. You come out and spin like a top again, they'd run out the door. They'd shy away from that. They'd, the more you got flesh, the more you don't like that. And the more you got spirit, the more you get like that about guys like Brother Nance. Because it's so fake and so phony. And he don't know any better. I realize that. We're teaching him. We're training him. We're trying. He gets his heart open. He'll get the truth and get the real dance. That'll be nice. But we know the difference. And that's the problem, see. We know the difference. We know the difference. And there, when David, David knew the difference, he said, we don't need another program. We don't need another one of your unproven things that, you know, you just want to put that in there and do that and try to do away with, with the move of the Holy Ghost and, the, and our reliance on the power of God. Well, David, what do you got, man? I got my sling. You ain't even got a stone. Well, I'll pick them up on the way. I know how to pick them up real good. I, I, I choose good ones. I choose, they have to be handpicked. This is, this is very exact and special. And, um, I've done this. God's used me. There came a bear into the, into the flock. That bear was going to take one of my youngest. David said, oh, no, you're not. He took care of that bear. He said, God delivered that bear into my hand. Well, if that wasn't enough, here come a lion. Boy, that lion, the lion thought he was going to get in the flock. David said, God, let me reach up there and grab that lion by his beard. You don't want none of them. And he grabbed that buddy and he ripped him apart. God delivered the lion into David's hand. He says, I've been down this road before. And what you may think, this is some kind of new thing. <laughs> and I'm looking like, who do you think you are? And who do you think you're talking to? Been here before done this before might want to help let me help you 
Get some holding faith. Get something that will help you to stand on the rock. Something that will keep you from sinking into the quicksand of unbelief and doubt and fear. And David, he was not going to give in to fleshly, natural, carnal things. I've heard of men. I could call the names, but I won't. But uh, somebody would shout or a brand new person would lift their hands and begin to worship God and they'd say, take him in another room. We don't want that out in front of other visitors. It might offend them and turn them off. Since when does the power of God offend? Something's wrong when people think like that and claim this experience. Something's wrong. You've got to have holding faith. You, you don't turn aside from this. You, you face this. You keep this. You embrace this. Isn't that written in Hebrews? That they, friend, they were persuaded of this. They embraced this. And having had opportunity to go back, they said, we're not going back. We're not turning aside. We're going to turn to God. We're going to look to God. We're going to do it God's way. We want the power of God. We need the power of God. Oh, you can come, you can go to a service where every hair is in place and every tie is just right. And, uh, you know, everybody just looking super professional. And you can also hear a pin drop. I went into a service one time and visiting, and I, sat, I just got in, I sat down. About that time, a young lady came from the back all the way to the front just shouting, and this church hadn't even started. Just came in shouting, rejoicing. I remember in Miami one time, uh, you got to help me. Little short stuff, red hair. What was her name? Her hair was so long she'd step on it. Well, I just remember she came into church. I used to know her name all the time. It's been so many years now. But uh, she came into church just like she was going to sit down. All of a sudden, the Holy Ghost hit her and she started laughing. We used to call it a holy laugh. I'm telling you the God's truth. She started laughing. It wasn't no ordinary laugh. It was Holy Ghost laugh. And she got to dancing and shouting and laughing and rejoicing. And the whole church broke out all over the place. Just the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. There's, my pastor used to say there's more power in one drop of the spit of Jesus Christ than there is in the whole ocean of the denominal world. <laughs> Amen. God can do at the pop of your finger, at the blink of your eye. He can do more in one split second than a whole dead service of perfect-looking people. You hear me? Once in a while, you might want to get your hair mussed up. Amen. 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 You know, I tell you, I, I tell some people sometimes, I... I tell, uh, I've had to move, I've had to clear Altaz out of the way. I had to get somebody to move them so I could uncork those two right there so they could get out and shout. You know, and I'll tell them, I'm looking for you to get with it, you know. And uh, I almost told Vicki the other night to get out and get down off that platform and shout her hair down. I like to see that hair come down. I don't have too much, you know. 
But I'm not supposed to have as much as she has. You know, right? That's what the book teaches. There is supposed to be a difference between male and female, you know. There's supposed to be a difference in the nature. Doth not even nature itself teach you, you know. God wants a man to be a man, a woman to be a woman. It's not just about cutting and not cutting, okay. That's the branch. The root is. It goes to your nature. And if you can't understand that in this day and age in which we're living, then you're a little hard in the understanding department. We've got to get your IQ past your shoe size, okay. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Oh, friend. Old David said, I don't want another program. I don't want another one of your man-made plans. No. I've got a holding faith. I'm standing on something that's holding me up. Oh, and they had every reason why it wasn't going to work. You know, when we stepped out in 1998 to start the work in Fort Myers, and when we were, we got our lead and we, Felt led to rent the Kiwanis Club. Some guy came around, Mr. Big Shot, and uh, he told, told us, he said, uh, well, you're starting in the very wrong place. Shouldn't be starting in that part of town. You should be out on Daniels Parkway or whatever it's called. Where, you know, they're all real rich. Well, he's still running about 30 people, and we're running over 300. We're in the right place. We're where the fish are. We weren't, we're, not looking, we're not looking for the hoity-toities. <laughs> we're not looking for the so-called upper crust. We're not, like one guy said, he left a perfectly good place in Chicago, and he went further out, he said, because we're going out where they're a little bit richer. Well, he didn't last much longer, and his work isn't gone. Is gone. He got divorced. All kinds of things went wrong. Let me tell you something. There's something that's worthy, and there's those things that are acceptable. There is a holding faith from which some, he said, have, turn, have put away, and they've turned away, and they've, they've gone in wrong directions. And he said, and they have consequently made shipwreck out of their lives and out of the lives of their family and their children. Made shipwreck. Oh, friend, how quickly a thing can happen. I don't know if you read in the newspaper or heard it on the radio, but there was a, uh, a girl, 14 years old, walking down the road, 10 o'clock at night. I'd say that's a little late for a young lady to be out walking along the road talking on the phone, but that's what she was doing. And... Uh, there was also a young man sitting at the curb in his car talking on the phone, he said. And he had gotten out of the car, and he was just leaning against it, and he said, five feet from me, a van came down the road, and it was exceeding the 25-mile-an-hour speed limit. It swerved over to the right hand and hit that girl, carried her 30 feet down the road, and killed her instantly. How shocking, how unexpected. 14 years old, life snuffed out just like that from somebody who swerved. That's what was also used about they swerved and, and there was a, uh, due to their not having holding faith. And it caused them uh, concerning, they put away their faith, concerning that faith, they made shipwreck. I'm telling you, we've got to have what the Bible called this saving faith. 
that we're not, everybody said not, we are not of them that draw back unto perdition. That means damnation. But we're of them that are going forward, pressing forward to the salvation of our soul. We've got a holding faith. We've got something that's going to hold us. We've got something, I'm telling you, that's going to sustain us. You should never allow anything but how sad it is for how little some people let go of their faith. Some little juicy, supposed juicy tidbit of gossip. No. <gasps> and it just tickles their ears. And then they run off and say, let me hurry up and tell you this before I find out it's not true. They thrive on that. Some people live drama, 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 drama. That's, that's the realm they live in. I want to live, and drama is, is fake and phony and made up and gossipy. I want to live in the realm of reality. Okay? There are people that create alternate realities. That's really just a fancy term for they lie. They lie. That's what they do. They lie. They just lie. But, you know, we've got this thing around here that, that holds us up along with our faith. It's called truth. Truth. And truth will stand. You hear me tell you, when, the, when, the, when this planet and the stars become dislodged because God's Word allows it to be so, because God has been holding everything in its place, and you better let God hold you in your appointed place, and you don't let anything dislodge you or talk you out of your place and you better get up that shield of faith when the enemy brings those fiery darts from the wicked you ever read in your bible called him that wicked one? Oh yeah he wants to steal every good thing and he wants to uh, get your footing to where it's shaky and slippery he wants to one time there was a, a big old brute I mean, he was a big dude, and he'd probably had one too many. And my pastor was with another pastor, and they were coming out of a restaurant. And, uh, you know, my pastor was a boxer before he got the Holy Ghost, and he also was a wrestler, and he also was a referee or umpire or whatever you call him in those sports. And uh, he said that this big old brute got very threatening to this other preacher. And I don't know if he bumped into him coming out of the restaurant. And I told you, he was, this guy must have had one too many. And, and so my pastor, just, just as pretty as you please, just reached, took him by this hand and just kicked his ankles together and sat him down on the ground like you're going to sit on that chair. Just sat him down. And that big old dude just sitting on this. You know, you'd be surprised. That God has men that know how to handle situations. Let the preacher do his job. Let the Holy Ghost do what the Holy Ghost does. Don't get your nose in it. Hear me? Who do you think you are? Do you realize the eternal trouble and damnation that you could cause in a person's life by giving counsel 
so-called. That there's so much at stake, and sometimes it's a very delicate balance. And many times, the pastor, that would be me, is talking to God about it, waiting on God, looking for direction, trying to find that right tool, that right balanced tool, that word fitly spoken in due season that will accomplish what needs to be accomplished. I, um, I'm going to close, but I want to tell you, I, I went to, uh, used to go to a dentist over here, and, and uh, I think I may have told you there were the dentists that we were going to, my wife and I, we really had a lot of confidence in her. And uh, she left. And we were like, oh, man. Well, we mostly just had to go for cleaning. And we really had confidence and liked the woman that cleaned our teeth. And so one day I, I called. They called me and said, we want to remind you you have an appointment for a cleaning. And I said, yes. I said, at such and such time. They said, yes. I said, okay. And I said, remember, it's a cleaning. You know, I didn't want the x-rays and all that jazz. I want all that radiation. And uh, so they, I said, it's just a cleaning. And she said, yes. And I said, with Jennifer. And she said, no. She said, she's no longer here. I said, well, I won't be coming then. And she said, why not? And I said, well, my dentist left, and now my, my hygienist has left. I said, why would I come? You know? Well, what I'm saying to you is that I, I, found, I found out where the dentist went, and I made the trip. It wasn't that much further to drive, and we went down there, wife and I, and, and, uh, and we got our teeth cleaned that day. And I felt like that woman was in my mouth with a jackhammer. I got out of there. I think I was, I think I was wobbling when I got out of there. And uh, my wife said, how'd you do? I said, I, I didn't do well at all and uh, she didn't want me to complain so I was trying very hard not to complain and I said um, but I gotta tell you honey I won't be coming back here so I think that said it all you know you know you get somebody in your mouth like that you want somebody with hands like feathers That's my mouth and those are my gums that you are destroying right now. <laughs> and I'm going to have to live with this after you go have lunch. And I can't have lunch because I'm so sore. <laughs> and besides the blood that's running all over the place. Oh, brother. Needless to say, I haven't been back. And uh, so I'm, I'm trying to say there is a delicacy. There is a delicacy. There is, there are, God has his ways. Now, there's times when I know that you want me to slap the snot out of you and back you up in the corner. I know that. And when that time comes, I'll probably come to church thinking I'm going to preach on the love of God and the Holy Ghost will come out of nowhere and look out. Fasten your seatbelt. Here we go. Because that's usually the way it works. And then there's times when I come in and my wife has to grab my coat and say, honey, say something sweet. So I'll come to the platform and I'll say, Sugar! 
And then the Holy Ghost will have me preach on the love of God. <laughs> you know? So you do not go by natural feelings. And David said, I don't want your programs. I don't want your natural things. I don't want all these things you're dreaming up. You know, I don't, I don't want that stuff. He said, I, I've got what works. You hear me? We've got what works. We've got what changes hearts. We've got stuff that will change your teenager that you can't change. Well, I can handle my, my daughter. I can handle my son. Can you? Could your mom handle you? Well, you forgot about that. See, I was here then, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, brother. See, the high priest, he knew everybody's sins when he went in to offer, <laughs> took it before God. Oh, yeah, but that was good because he could talk specifically to God about people and things. And he could get forgiveness for everybody. Wasn't that nice? And, you know, I'm, I'm charged with, with re going to God. And it said that you should be doing things in a manner that I don't have to report about you with grief. That it wouldn't be that grievous kind of thing. I could bring God a happy meal report. You know? And that's what you want. Old David made his way across a little stream, and he looked down. You know that stream had been running there woo, for a long time. He reached down, and whoop, whoop, three, four, five. And he got five smooth stones. You know, in 38 years here, the Holy Ghost with us has smoothed out a lot of things. Smoothed out a lot of didn't he say he'd smooth out the rough, straighten out the crooked, bring down the mountain, bring up the valley? Oh, where God found some of us and where he's brought us from. And now, you know, you should just be getting good and comfortable with this holding faith. And Satan has come around wanting to sift you like wheat. But Jesus has prayed for us. And I'm praying for us. And that your faith fails not. And then he went on to say, and when you are changed, I need to change. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You need to change. You know, it's, we should ever really be changing for the good. We don't ever want to get self-satisfied. We don't ever want to get overconfident. He that thinketh he standeth, let him take heed, lest he fall. And even when somebody else falls and you counted on to be spiritual and strong, not to join in with their weakness and get pulled into the mess they're in, but you're supposed to be able to pull them out and put them in a place of strength because you've got holding faith. You're well-rooted, grounded, and settled in the Holy Ghost. You're always abounding in the work of the Lord. Yes. Yes. You're not swerving off the path and killing people and knocking them like bowling pins all over the place. Not at all. But you've got good control, good balance, holding faith, and a good conscience. You can lay down and sleep at night because you know that you're trying to be obedient. David hit, you want confidence because David hit that battlefield and that guy was yelling like a wild banshee. And friend, he was tall, 
somewhere around 10 feet tall. He was up there, buddy. And he didn't, he didn't have to jump to dunk. He just looked down at it and dropped it. <laughs> the dude was tall. And uh, it, he had to have more than one to carry his spear. It weighed so much. He was intimidating. And he roared like a lion. But you never read where David wavered. You never read where he halted. He was simply, I got this. I got this. And as, as Goliath began to belittle him and call him names and tried to intimidate him, what? They're sending a little boy out? Sending a little chihuahua? A little, a little poodle? He said, you come on. I'm going to feed you if there's enough of you to even feed the birds when I get done with you. And David said, well, you come to me with all of that. He said, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. Don't lose faith in your faith. Don't lose faith in the power of God. Don't let anything rob you of that. Don't let anything siphon that off. You hear me? You have holding faith. When, 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 the, when you're in the ring and the, and the devil is swinging away at you for, forever, forever, all he's worth, and he ain't worth much, but he's giving it all he can get and muster, and you're still standing, there's a whole bunch of them devils dancing around wondering what's holding you up. What's holding you up is your faith, your faith in God, your faith in His Word, your faith in His teachings, your faith in the way things are done, those things that are worthy and those things that are deemed to be acceptable. Amen. Yes. There are things that are worthy of all acceptation, the book said. And another place said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Let me realize that there's some behavior that's unacceptable. There are some things that are not worthy. Marvin's BMW wouldn't run, start, get going. I told him that BMW stood for be more worthy. Be more worthy. Well, we want to act in a manner and if we're not quite measuring up, then we want to be more worthy. And God wants to make us more worthy. God is here to help us. You hear me now? Amen. Amen. So you worship God. You praise God. You remember that one, one dose of the Holy Ghost will cure what ails you. <laughs> I'm telling you, it'll take care. You could come in here with a cloud over your head and it's raining and thunder and lightning and tornado and hurricane going on right in your mind, and you can come in here and you look like, you know, you're just ready to whoop up on everybody and mad at everybody. And one move of the Holy Ghost, one move of His Spirit, amen, can take care of that storm. Peace, be still. How he can calm it down. How he can calm those waves. Didn't they marvel and say, oh, we speak 
It's to the elements, and they obey him. Yeah, the book said he calls the lightnings, and they present themselves and say, what would you have us do? They will actually, you're going to turn your bolts on the devil. Get him off my youngin'. Now go. Isn't that nice? God can just turn the tables. He can prepare you a table in the presence of your enemy. In closing, I want to tell you that I was thinking about, sometimes you get a flashback, you know. And I got a flashback about something. And I remember, boy, how I just wanted to run in there and handle that situation. That was one of those who-do-you-think-you-are situations. I wanted to go in there. And I wanted to say, who do you think you are? And then I, I reflected for a minute, and I said, well, it didn't go that way. You, you, you didn't let me do that, God. You just told me to sit down. And then you went in there and said, who do you think you are? And you took care of it, God. And he did it so good. I didn't even have to break a sweat. Man, that was awesome. And I got to thinking about that today. It really was a great comfort. You know, When you think of the miraculous ways that God does things. You know, imagine being on that boat with those apostles and that storm. Has the devil ever rocked your boat? Oh, he has. You know he has. And brother, that, have you ever been on a rocking boat in a storm? I have. Matter, matter of fact, I don't know that it would have qualified as a present storm. It was actually the after effects of a storm. But boy, that, that boat just would go down and come back up. And I'm down. When we were down there, I'm looking up at that wave way up over there. And, and I had had breakfast, you know, a couple hours ago. But my breakfast was wanting to come up. And I'm trying to hold it. I got to be I'm the husband. Sick in front of my wife, and the guy that's driving the boat—he's looking back at me every once in a while, and he's going, "Oh boy, he's fixing it. Let it rip." I'm—I'm I'm turning blue. I'm turning all kinds of shades of the rainbow. And the only problem at the end of my rainbow wasn't a pot of gold, friend. It was a—I <laughs> think it was a pot of puke. <laughs> and I was about to let it heave. I was in bad shape, and. uh you know those apostles were in bad shape. It was rough. And they were fishermen, professional fishermen, many of them. They'd been in rough seas. And uh, I know i got to stop. I know. It's not even 9 o'clock yet. Hold on, will you? i got 10 more minutes, don't I? I'll try not to take it. I actually took um, some children one time. Trying to be the good dad. Trying to be the good dad. Not a guy that can take us out on his boat because I don't have a I don't even have a fishing rod. Somebody asked me the other day, do you fish? I said, for people. Somebody in the back seat cracked up laughing. It's just the truth. I guess that's why God put me one mile from the largest freshwater lake in the continental United States, because I don't fish. I just don't have a desire to, except for people. Well, anyway, I, I said, well, I'm going to be the good dad. Went over Riviera Beach and down to the thing and lined up this guy that was a retired Marine captain, and he had his charter boat, and very reasonable price, so he'd take us out. Only problem was it came up a rain and a pretty bad storm, and we didn't get to go that weekend, and then the next weekend we didn't get to go again, and Saturday, of course. Didn't get to go again about three weeks. Finally, you know, we're really getting antsy. He said, yeah, he said, I think it's calm enough now we can go. Very bad mistake on my part. Very, very bad mistake. We, once we got out of the inlet, 
Oh, the inlet was like glass. Oh, it's going to be great. It's so sunny and blue sky, and it's so calm. And once we got out of the inlet, the swells and the dips and the highs and the lows, we weren't out there three minutes, and I mean everybody was sick. I thought, well, let me go up to the top. That guy's like 15 feet sitting in that little chair up there. I felt like I couldn't breathe. They said, the motion is 10 times worse up there. I said, let me not go up there. Bad idea. Bad idea. So I went down the stairs into the bottom of the boat. Another bad. I was making bad decisions by the dozens. I got down to the bottom of the boat where the little bathroom is. It was so hot and so stuffy in there so smelly but I got sicker so I crawled up out of there <laughs> and I want you to know I endured that and I told that guy they caught one fish one 36 inch fish I said time to go back now take me back so he took me back and the closer we got to the dock the better I was feeling and the big joke was, when we got back home, she says, Fell looked out at us getting out of the car and walking to the front door, and she said, oh, boy, am I glad I didn't go. <laughs> and she gets sicker just looking at it. A rocking chair makes her sick, and that's the truth. You could sit at a, you could sit at a table in a restaurant, look out the window at the lake, and if the, if the lake starts moving, she gets sick. She has to sit with her back to it, so... She didn't want to be on that boat that day. She's right. Brother, I'm going to tell you what. I'm absolutely telling you that God can calm the seas. He can do that. Seasoned fishermen. I asked that first mate on that boat. I said, is this considered moderate to choppy? He said, some people, including me, would tell you that this is rough. My God, if he's having a hard time, there ain't no hope for any of us. <laughs> you know? Oh, brother, seasoned fishermen. And they were, their boat had been rocked. And Jesus is telling them, where's your faith? Where's your faith? I imagine some of them feeling like, right about here, Lord, and it's about to come out. And the Lord spoke to the wind calm the seas and all of a sudden all their thoughts went off of the trouble they were in and had been experiencing and that one display of his holy power and they said they marveled and they said even the elements obey what manner of man is this oh they were growing in faith right then and he what did you say tonight nothing impossible he can do anything and he can, he can take care. I want you to not panic. And I don't want you to listen to some of the junk. And when you that have been around a little while, I want you to learn how to ho have holding faith that you can, as we will call you, not aged in chronological years to make you feel old, but seasoned, seasoned that you could say to somebody that hasn't been around so long, that you could give them a, a positive word, that you could say something that would calm them, 
Did you know? Did you hear? Now, now, calm down. You know that you could help them. That you could speak to those elements of gossip that go around. Unbelieving words. You know, unbelief is at the bottom of it all, friends. All of the sin and the doubt at the bottom. Paul said he did a lot of things wrong before he got the Holy Ghost and before he got baptized in Jesus' name. And he said, but I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. And he said, God, in his long suffering, showed forth a pattern towards me and them that would be like me. Aren't you glad for that pattern? Because he was blasphemous. He was injurious, the book said. He was extremely offensive. He even held the, the coats of them that stoned people that were baptized in Jesus' name filled with the Holy Ghost. And yet God forgave him, and God called him. Oh, let's have holding faith. And when you're converted, when you're changing, you're going through some changes, good, positive changes. You know, Jesus gave an example, and I, I will close. Get ready. Get your fingers poised. That, that the Bible said that Jesus, in the days of his flesh, that he prayed until the fashion, the fashion, Can't help but I feel the Holy Ghost in my soul right now. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Oh, I got to put a cork on it right now, don't I? But I just think of children that come and how their fashion changes. The more they're in church, the more they're in prayer meeting, the more they're around people that are in the church, and how their fashion changes for the good. The Bible said that the fashion of his countenance, not just your outward clothing fashion, that needs to change, but also that the fashion of your countenance changes. And man, he, the Bible said he was glowing. He was just glowing. Oh, you know, we get rid of those storms and all that bad attitude and grumpiness and Mr. Grumpy Ponce grumpy scut get rid of that and pass through that prayer room get in the holy ghost service the power of god gets moving somebody gets the holy ghost somebody gets baptized somebody worships god and the spirit and the truth hey it might even be you you know and you can go out different than you came in and there's certainly example for that in your bible amen everybody said hallelujah Let's take a moment, lift our hearts with our hands. And I love you, Jesus, and I praise your great and mighty and holy name. Oh, Lord, I want you to take the fight out of the environment. And I want you to let the love of God, the sweet power and love of God, replace, oh, God. You can remove the negative and come in with the positive. Oh, Lord, you don't leave it empty, void. Oh, God, I praise you, Holy One. Oh, Father God, a great Holy Ghost revival to sweep our hearts, to reach through our city, help us on our jobs, in our homes, with our children, to have faith in how you do things, to build our hopes and dreams and plans, futures around the church. That's acceptable, Lord. That's acceptable, Lord. 
that's acceptable. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Well, you have heard of a PS. I have a PS. Keep your hands on the keys, please. <laughs> I'm going to really step into it this time, okay? And I don't know of anybody that has any ideas, but I just feel like I should say this right now. But raising up our children, Sister Stephanie, Brother Andre, Sister Mila, Sister Ann, Sister Farah, Rosie, different ones that helped. Whoever's doing it right now, I know we rotate. And uh, Omar, those that are involved, Sunday after Sunday. We're not raising these children up in this Holy Ghost environment to send them off to secular colleges. I don't care if it's the mighty U of F or FSU or FAMU or whoever. Thank God for online. I'm really happy about right. that. I'm not against the educational part. I'm not against getting the, the credits and get the degree. Brother Andre ran into one of our alumni who was in our school, came when she was 10, graduated before she was 16, before she could drive or get a learner's permit, 15 years old. We had her in dual enrollment because we sent her down to the college at 13 years of age, had her three years, sent her down and she scored in the upper 10% on the ACT, the American College Test. And we put her in dual enrollment, and in two more years, she had 23 college credits and graduated from this academy. And Andre ran into her the other day up there in, in Clewiston, where she lives. I haven't seen her since those days. And uh, somebody said I wouldn't recognize her if I did. Maybe not. But... Uh, what I'm simply saying is, is that what we give here, first and foremost, is a spiritual education, a holding faith, something that will keep you and sustain you. But remember, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So we're not going to dangle our children and put them in an unholy environment this is not acceptable. We can find acceptable ways to get the credits, to get the degrees, to get whatever good job God has. Everybody said amen. amen. We graduated Pete. Did we do dual enrollment with you? Sent him down, dual enrollment, sent him down. Got a full ride scholarship. Got his B.A., could have his master's if he quit messing around. He got the M's mixed up. He thought I said marriage, and I said master's. So, and on top of that, Mercedes. We got M's everywhere. <laughs> I thought it was M&M, &M and I got me a big bag. No, but anyway, uh, and I tell you, holding faith, holding faith, holding faith. You know what they say in, the, in one of the wars? I don't know if it was a civil war or one of those places, but they, they had him friend and they told him, maybe it was your, your, your great, 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 General Robert E. Lee that said, 
in the battle. Hold! And don't fire till you see the whites of their eyes. Hold, hold, hold! Well, you know, you got to hold. And God's going to do. And I remember that day, man. I went to the DMV, I'm telling you. And I only tell it for God's glory. And I got the surprise of my life. That God just, right before my eyes, opened the door. I'm going to give Pete a job. Oh, great. Because he's put an application in everywhere. And so far, we've got bupkis. Zero, zilch, nada, nothing. And so I, I did my business, and I said to the lady, I said, um, can I have an application? Somebody wants a job? She said, sure. I said, and um, who do I hand this into? She told me exactly who it should be handed into. And I said, and, and who? Then you got to go downtown. I said, who do we see down there? She gave me that name. Okay, thank you. I gave it to Pete. Before I gave it to Pete, I told him, he said, no. I said, I believe God's going to give Pete a job. Really? I said, yep, I really do believe it. I said, I'm, I'm telling you. We'll see. See if I'm right. See if what I heard is right. Well, lo and behold, it was right. God gave him that job. And you know there's other people wanting that job. Lots of other applications went in. God gave Pete that job. God had it all prepared. Now, I kept telling him, you know, he's stressing out and getting all worried. And I just said, just hold on, Pete. God's got a job for you. You just keep putting your faith, your works with your faith. Keep filling out those applications. It's going to happen. God sees and God hears our prayers. And it seemed like the, le the, the moment you least expect it, boom, there it is. You waited on God, and God did his thing. Amen. You know God's a great God. And many other jobs that we can talk about right now. And many other things that God has done. Amen. God's given somebody a house in this church that they didn't have to put any money down. Nothing. Not a penny. Isn't that amazing? God did that. I know you all want to run up here right now and get a house with no money down. Well, you know what? I want you to get it too. I hope so. God grant it. God grant it. Yes, sir. He's a good God. He's done many, many, many miracles. We need to praise Him for it. Praise Him for the house you live in. Praise Him for a roof over your head. Praise Him for the times He's healed you. Praise Him for the doors that He has opened and you know that He opened it. Amen. You praise Him because you're in the church and He puts you on top of the rock. You stand on the revelation of who He is. You know who He is. Not everybody has that knowledge. Unfortunately, we speak that to our shame. We want everybody to have it. Okay.